thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Morton podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. You're listening to a message from one of our fortnightly gatherings as we prepare to plant a church in Morton Bay early 2024. To find out more about New Life Morton, you can head to church.nu forward slash Morton. But for now, enjoy the message. I to take us through last week what I spoke about. Uh, week one, we spoke about this invitation to community. And we went into Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 as the narrative, the discourse that God sets out in the garden. Is that Genesis 1 and 2 paints this beautiful, amazing picture of what God does in the garden in the early days. He invites us as the people of God to tend to that garden. Where there's a blank canvas, God invites us in and kind of throws this paint and encourages us to get a paintbrush. And it's us in the community of God to be the people who would be invited to form this community. And then we looked at Matthew 13 and we looked at this great truth is that in the early days of a church plant, God does the heavy lifting. Jesus does the work. And so it's hard because sometimes church plants can be places where we begin to worry a bit, like, what is this going to cost me? And I'd say, like, what it's going to cost you in these early days is just prayer. And it's just gathering as the people of God. And Matthew 13 has this beautiful parable that Jesus does the heavy lifting, that we lean back into others' affection and his grace. And then we ended up with looking at Revelation um, 21 and 22, where the garden, where we're going to be restored, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be restored in our time. One day we're going to see that happen. And so there's this beautiful arc that we see in the scriptures of like, the community starts by God doing the work. Jesus lays out the gospel goes forth with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's Jesus who does the heavy lifting so that the gospel hits people's hearts. And then we await a coming garden where all things are going to be beautiful. Jesus is going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. And in these early days, I don't want to overcomplicate what we do. I want us to be the people of God who gather around the presence of God and hear the word of God. Simply that. And gather around the, the, the presence of God. So, number, so the, week number one was the invitation to community. Week two, what I want to look at now is the formation of community. Some people are asking in these early days, like, what does a new life church look like? What will it look like for us to gather each week? What will that actually look like? What what will it, how will worship be? What will the key elements that we have as a new life church? And what I want to do today is I want to unpack, I want to speak into the formation of community, but I want to do that from Acts 2, and I want to look at what the early church did, because here at New Life, we are not about reinventing the wheel. We're not going to overcomplicate stuff. We want to be a messy community who gathers around the presence of God, who gathers around the gospel of Jesus. And we want to be a place where our kids can find a home and be loved and cared for. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And for those who maybe are new or aren't super familiar with Acts 2 or or the Bible even in a sense, what happens is, is that Jesus comes, the man Jesus Christ comes, Jesus comes and he embodies, he's, he's a true representation of the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus comes to earth, he's born, he begins to do things, he does miracles, he preaches the gospel, and he says that the kingdom of God is now at hand. And what Jesus shows us in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he shows us that the real heart of God is to form community and to form community about the ways of Jesus, the works of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus, which is come and follow me. And in these early days, we would say, come, come and follow Jesus. Come and follow Jesus on this journey that he's taking us into. 
Then what happens is that Jesus dies. He takes on the sin of the, the world. It's, this, is, this is what we call the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus has died. He's come for our sins. He's taken on all our rubbish, all our junk. And then what happens is, is that Jesus is now ascended to the right hand of the Father. And all oppression, all sin, all hurt, Jesus has now bridged the gap so that we can come back and be in relationship with him. So I'd say that if you don't yet know Jesus, the offer there is to know Jesus. And Christianity is not about amazing, sexy Christians doing really good things and being like really well put together. The Christian gospel message is about broken people coming back and being reunited to the Father through the love of Jesus and the good news of Jesus Christ. And then what happens at that point is that we are then called the beloved. God looks at you and I and God says, you are my beloved son and daughter and you I'm well pleased. And then we get launched into this journey of following Jesus through the, the, down, the downfalls of life, the valleys, the mountaintops. Christianity is not just about the mountaintops. Our theology must go beyond just these amazing times in God's presence. Sometimes life sucks and it's hard. But Jesus gives us a worldview that can deal with that. It's called the gospel. Then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2 and, and basically Peter does his big sermon. The Holy Spirit falls. People get saved. They respond to Jesus. The Holy Spirit then gets sent out in the early church. Tongues of fire appear on people. People start to get the Holy Spirit. They're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. But then what happens quickly in Acts 2 is that we go from this kind of revival meeting to Acts 2, 42, which looks at the formation of community, the key elements of community. And that's what I want to look into today. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts 2, verses 42 says this. The people of God did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes a beautiful sign of intimacy beyond just an institution. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. This beautiful image of people ask, like, what is a Christian community? What does a new life look like? We're going to begin to, in, in the coming weeks to weave into a bit of our particular DNA as a new life church. But really, from the outset, it's this. We are a community formed by the gospel of Jesus who loves God. We gather around his presence. We want a place where our kids can find home. And what I want to do today is I want to look at a few, like, very briefly, because I'm aware of time. I want to look at just four key elements that we can draw out of Acts 2, which is something that you can tangibly take a hold of in these early days and expect that, that we will contend as a community to see these things happen. And I think it's going to be good news for our weary hearts sometimes. And again, I want to just acknowledge a lot of this come from different churches, different backgrounds. We're all on different journeys. You might be coming out of a season where it's like, I've just, I've been really hurt. And I, I, I want to be pastoral towards that. You might be coming into a season where you're like, I'm ready to go back and let's pioneer something. But the point is this, wherever you stand, you are safe in the household of God because the gospel is good news and the community is here to bless you. It's not about you just giving, giving, giving. It's about you taking of Jesus as a community. So I've got four quick points I want to go through. I want to look at four key things that Acts 2 unlocks in us. Number one, what I see here, verses 42 to 45 is this. We see the kingdom community of Jesus represent a spirit of selflessness 
in a culture of individualism, a spirit of selflessness, giving away of ourselves in a culture where we are individualized, where we are in our own little lanes, where people are lonely. Acts 3.42 says this, they devoted themselves, devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The apostles' teaching is just simply the word of God. At New Life, we're going to open up the word of God. We want to go through the word of God. We want to let the word of God speak. So it's not just Dylan's perspective. We, we really just want to be a people who are submissive to the word of God. That's how, that creates our safe space. And teaching into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And the point of these few scriptures and, and verses here is this, is that there's a common commonality amongst the people of God. There's a collectivism in a culture where individualism takes preeminence. There is a push that everything we do must serve all of us, not just one of us. That everything we contend for as a community must be that we contend for the blessing and the well-being of the whole group, not just the one person. So here at New Life Morton, we are not about a superhero show. We're here to see the glory of God and His excellency be elevated so that we would see selflessness in the people of God. So that if you're wounded, if you're hurting, if you've just had one of those weeks where you're just like, you haven't been a great parent or you fight with your spouse, there's a commonality here. There's a common gospel which is good news. Even the sparrow can find their home in the people of God. So there's selflessness in an age of individualism. There's a collective nature about what we do. And that's the good news of the gospel. Number two, there's stirred affections. As the people of God gather, we can ex- expect to see God do incredible things in our midst. Acts 2, 43 says this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were being performed. Here at New Life, we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit is still moving and active. It's not going to be weird. We're not going to be we're not weirdos about it. But we do have this amazing belief that in this room, in this space, you can invite people to come and meet Jesus and people will encounter God. Those who are hurting will be healed. We will see hearts be healed. We will see physical bodies be healed. But also we have a theology that says that sometimes that just comes in heaven. But all we're doing is just putting it out there in front of God and saying, Lord, whatever you want to do in our gatherings, you can do. We're not going to put a box around it, but we're going to have a container which says that you can invade this space with your presence. That as the gospel is preached, the good news of Jesus, as the gospel is preached, the power of God will come. As the gospel is preached, marriages will be loved back to life. As the gospel is preached, we might have a bit more patience in our week. Like Dylan might not just be teeing up every time the kids are out at home. As the gospel is preached, my heart might be transformed as I desire to follow Jesus more. So this place... In these early days, I want us to build some elements into the container of what New Life Morton is. It's a place where there's colour, beauty and diversity and safety because it's Jesus who's the King Shepherd here. We're just following after what he's doing. And all we're doing is just laying out, we're putting like an altar out, a sacrifice, but he's the one who must bring the fire to it. It's not about a charismatic preacher. Those days of church are gone, and thank God for that. We've moved on from the superhero culture. We are now people of his presence. So as we pioneer a community, we want to be a people of his presence. Point number three, 
What we see from Acts 2, 44 to 46 is we see this, a banner of unity and generosity despite the circumstances that happen in our life. That the early church community would contend for generosity and unity at all costs. Acts 2, verses 44 to 46 says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Note what the scriptures don't say, is that they all believe the same thing, they all have the same theology, and they all have the same experience. It doesn't say that. It says they had everything in common. So the commonality in our community must transcend that of our theologies, ideologies, all these types of things. We fight to have one thing in common, Jesus Christ. Does that mean that we will unpack things that are going on in culture and in life? Yes, because the Word of God has something to say about that. But the point here is that unity is shared unity in the Spirit before it's shared unity in ideologies and theologies. So there is room for you at New Life Morton. There is room for you to be on a journey. There is room for you to be on a journey of being re-enchanted with Jesus again. Because unity takes a while, but we're going to contend as a church for unity in these early days. And generosity, verses 44, 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I remember at Bible college, it's like going back like 10 years now, and I remember someone unpacking the scripture and being like, it was just like an early church thing to get the church off the ground. Is that the apostles did these really crazy cool things. It's like, no, there's something deeper happening in this text here. It's not saying that you need to sell your property. Like, you're not going to hear Dylan be like, sell your property for new life more. If that's the case, I invite you to leave. Like, something's gone radically wrong. So it's not saying that. What it's saying, though, is that we will be a community that isn't just a gathering. We are a community who are generous people. So if we see a need in someone's life, we're going to attend to that need. If someone has a bub and needs food, we're going to cook some food for you. If you like going through a really hard time and finances are hard, we're going to rally the people of God to care for the people of God. So the selling of possessions and doing all these things is, is in some ways a bit of a symbolic thing of like, the community of God will look after the community of God. You will be introduced into this way of doing that. It's like, and we're going to keep no record of wrong and no record of hospitality. The left hand in your life, Lord, will not know what the right hand is doing. It will never be held over you that we love you. It will never be like, we love you, so, so give back. Oh, on a certain day, those days are done. We're a community of God. So they sold everything. They sold possessions. They did everything. They gave to anyone who had need. And my question for us is, who's the anyone who's going to come to our church? We want to see people who maybe don't fit in other places come here. Because the kingdom of God is inclusive and gracious. We are not about establishing a white middle class church here at New Life Morton. We want to see the beauty of everyone come to know Jesus, come to believe in the gospel, come to find Jesus and therefore be grown up in Christ. The anyone is welcome here. They sold property possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Temple courts, church, the synagogue. We're going to be a people who prioritize Sunday gatherings because we want to build a dwelling place for the presence of God. But it's not just that. They sold property possessions every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. Then the other one, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. We want to keep both these buckets going at the same time. We will not be a Sunday-centric church for the sake of that. We love Sundays. We're going to prioritize Sundays. We bought us TV because it's going to bless you to have lyrics. And it's going to ground Dylan as a preacher if he has to stick to a PowerPoint. Right? It's going to bless everyone. So Sundays are important. We're going to move into a bigger building one day as we grow. 
We're going to bring on staff. We're going to bring on a worship pastor. We're going to bring on a kids pastor because we believe in kids growing up and being discipled well. And we want good worship. We're big on those things. And they will come next year when we launch launch. But we're also going to prioritize breaking bread in homes and having dinner meals because the gospel comes with a house here. The gospel encounters people around a table. And that's what the early church did. They gathered. They did both. There's no binary. There's no this or that. And the last point is this. That as a community, we see in Acts 2 that there was a contagious and consistent joy that was in there. Verse 47. Praising God and, sorry, the end of verse 36. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Not just the Christians, all people. The everyone was welcome to come to the table in the church. And the Lord did this. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We believe that Jesus does the heavy lifting, the gospel's going to go out, and when the gospel goes out, people are going to respond and want to meet Jesus. But as all these things happen, there will be a contagious joy about New Life Morton. We will be a people marked by joy. We're going to be happy to do the mission of God. And I I want to almost prophesy forward to some of your hearts today, and, and it's this. If you've had a season of toiling and it's been laborious and you felt like you've been used and spit out, let this be the season where God begins to do a beautiful healing work and shows you an alternative way. That this community will be formed by the good news of God's people rallying together, but for his glory and our good. And that will lead us to joy. And so I wonder, as we've unpacked this today, it's like, where does your heart land on these different elements of Acts 2? Like, can you envisage, can you come with me for a moment as the people who joined us in the early days and dream with me for a moment what would God do in our midst if Acts 2, 42 to 47 was the mantle over New Life Morton? What would it look like for us to be a people who held each other accountable to never selling out on the main thing, to being a place where there is a spirit of selflessness in a culture of individualism? What would it look like? What would it look like when we have people who give birth to bubs here and we go, I'm going to love you, serve you, I'm going to come to you, I'm going to care for you? What would it look like if we were a place where the Holy Spirit was welcome to move in every sense, however he wants to move, where there were stirred affections of the people of God? What would it look like if there was a banner of unity and generosity, where we as the people of God stopped looking outside for help and stopped making it the testimony of people that the only place to get help is outside the church? What if we as the church, the ecclesia, the people of God, loved each other? What would it look like if everyone, as John Wimber said, everyone gets to play in the house of God? Everyone has their part. Like, I can't wait to the point of the time where it's not me preaching every week. And I want to put that out there. Like, and, and I want to cast a bit of vision in this moment too. Like, I need elders. We're going to need elders. We're going to need accountability. We're going to need a worship team. We're going to need all these things, but not for the sake of service itself, for the sake of bringing a fragrant offering to the Lord. And you using your gifts, because everyone gets to play in the, in the nursery of God. So what's, I want to put it out there. What's God calling you to? Pray about it. I want to see preachers raised up in this church. I long for the day where I sit there and I release people forward and you hear less from me and more from other people. That's what we want to see. And what would it look like for us to have continuous, contagious joy? And again, joy is distinct from happiness. 
What we're not saying is you need to rock up into this place, do a little Pentecostal two-step, and say to everyone, how are you going? Really well, how are you? It's like, I hate my life at the moment, but I'm really well. We're not after that. That's, that's, a, that's a, a, a little happiness, weirdness. We're after deep-seated Christian gospel-fueled joy, which says that though my circumstance changes, God remains the same, and he's here in every season. And so two things I want to land on is number one, do you know this morning about the Father's affection for you? Do you know from the outset before we do anything, before we meet regularly, before we have more passes, before you jump on a team, let's start from the place of the early church community where these are the key things that we contend for. And secondly to that, but do you know that you are the beloved of God, that he loves you, that he smiles upon you, that he's not looking for anything except he's just looking for your heart. He's looking for you. And so with that, there's a psalm that has just really stood out to me that I want to share. And I just really want to speak this over us as the people of God in these early days. And it's Psalm 84. And many of you would know this psalm, but there's a language that David gets because his heart is captivated by what the Christian community can be. And for my heart, when I look back in my life, and I look back in my experience in 10 years of pastoral ministry and experience in church, for all the hard stuff that's happened in life, Psalm 84 brings my heart back to the potential of what the community of God can be and the song that it can be for your heart. And it says this, Psalm 84. It's going to be up on the screen. I'm joking. I'm joking. Sorry, man. Cheeky, I'm joking. It's, Psalm 84 says this. And I want, I want you to just take in this scripture. Don't just hear it. Let it come to your heart. Let it ground in your heart. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. I believe what God's going to do in the next season is restore to us the sense in which we can say, Lord, your dwelling place is lovely. It's lovely. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Do you remember those early days when you became a Christian? And things were much more simple and you were excited to come to church. I think God's going to re-instill that in our hearts. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow, verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar. For those of you, you with young kids, with kids that are to come, this place is going to be a place where as we grow and as we move and as we get a bigger building and as we build a kids' ministry, our kids are going to find a home in this place. They're going to find a home. They're going to be nurtured. New Life Morton will be a safe nest for us to heal and to have our kids grown up in. Where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are you for turning up today and dwelling in the house of God. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage towards God. As they pass through the valley, they make it a place of springs. You're going to be going through some valleys in our time together, but we're here with you and for you. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. It doesn't matter what you go through, where you go, what happens in life. This is a dwelling place where God is just going to, Psalm 23, he's going to walk you through beautiful pastures. He's going to lay you down. His love is going to be there for you. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. 
Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Then David gets to this point in verse 10 where he says this. There's a restoration, I think, happening even in our hearts in this moment. He says, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather have just, just, just exist in your presence, Lord. Whatever that looks like in this season, whether it looks like chasing after kids, whether that looks like your heart being loved back to life in this season. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. His heart is for you. And lastly, from those who walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And friends, as we stand now, let's, let's, we're just going to sing a few songs of worship. I need to shut up. I've spoken too long. But I wonder now, as we stand and as we orientate our hearts for worship, I wonder whether we could even just close our eyes in this moment and position ourselves for Psalm 84 to be the mantle over our hearts. And so let's pray. So Lord, we invite your presence even now as we sing to you, as we sing your songs, Lord. We would ask in these early days, Lord, that you would restore in us the joy of our salvation. And you would restore in us, Lord, the joy of being a gathered people. That we would know that even even the sparrow finds a home, Lord, in your place, in your house, in your dwelling place. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to come right now. I pray, Lord, for individuals in this moment that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would be speaking life and health and restoration and healing into those who are here now, Lord. And so, Lord, we we take a moment. We we bless what you're doing in this room. We bless the community of God. We bless those who've decided to trust again, believe again, and love again. And we know, Lord, that no good thing do you withhold back from your children. So, Lord, we just prophesy forward a Psalm 84 season over each person here. A season of restoration, a season of dreaming again. Lord, we release an innovative spirit to each person here to be a part of the people of God who would dream again, who would believe again in who you are and what you're doing and who might even feel that this is their time. This is their time in your life, Lord, to believe and trust again in you. Proudly sings in your beautiful, beautiful name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If you'd like to find out more information about New Life Morton, our fortnightly gatherings, or even how to join our launch team, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at hellomorton at church.nu or head to our website, Instagram, or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.